Blog Talk Radio. And welcome everyone to another episode of Three and Out. I'm your host, Sammy G, and as always, alongside me is the Doc. We are everything source for college football in the state of Florida. Doc, how was the weekend? Uh, it was a good weekend. It was uh, not the best games out there, but um, you know, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of rumors flying around. A lot of excitement. Uh, so, I'm looking forward to the show today. No doubt about it. And this show is actually brought to you by Raposa Perry and Young, certified public accountant. Uh, when it comes to integrity and public accounting, Raposa Perry and Young sense a lofty standard. Leaders in the field and in their community, the certified public accounts of RPY and their associates offer precision accounting and dynamic planning by the numbers. Contact RPY today with offices in Daytona Beach and Port Orange, Florida, or visit their website at rpyllc.com. Well, tonight, Doc. Hey, uh, Sammy, you're, 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 Sammy, Sammy, your connection. Sammy, your connection is struggling bad, buddy. Um, you may need to call back in and uh, restart this thing from uh, your side because I, I'm not sure what's going on. Give me one second here, folks. We apologize for the uh, the delay here. It sounds better now, so let's see if we can uh, keep on keeping on, and uh, we'll go from there. All right. Let's see what we can do here. Well, technical difficulties. Is, is it better now? Yeah, I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay. Well, let me know if it messes up again. <laughs> Hopefully we have that under control here. Uh, but tonight we got a special guest for everybody as well. Tonight we have senior college sports writer for Sports Illustrated, Andy Staples, with us to talk about the coaching carousel. That's about to rock college football nation, Doc. And, I mean, it's going to rock the nation. Yeah, there's a there's a very soon a lot of things are going to unfold, I think, and it's going to be a pretty exciting time for a lot of the fan bases around. Well, before we get into that, let's just jump right into the recap from this week's uh, Week 12 matchups real quick. Uh, first off, starting with Miami with a win, 44-28 to over Virginia, keeping the Hurricanes 10-0 and on the season. UCF traveled to Temple, beat them 45-19, to also moving them to 10-0 in the season. Uh, UF got their first win under Randy Shannon, winning 36-7 at, or excuse me, against UAB. Florida State played a team, uh, Delaware State, I don't know if they showed up or not, uh, but Florida State won 77-6. USF played on Thursday night, winning 27-20 over Tulsa. The Shula Bowl happened this weekend. The Fighting Lane Kippers of FAU won 52-24 over FIU. Nice in-state rivalry game there. Speaking of rivalries, we had the Florida Classic. Bethune-Cookman winners over FAMU 29-24, and that was a little bit of controversy in that game. Uh, we'll get to that as well. Uh, the West Florida Argos won 31-0 over Wingate in the first round of the Division II playoffs advancing them to the second round against uh, West Georgia, which will be held in Carrollton, Georgia. They actually beat West Georgia a couple weeks ago, uh, 34-29, to so there's a familiar foe there. Jacksonville Dolphins ended their season 50, with a loss 52-7, to excuse me, 52-7 to uh, over, uh, excuse me, against Drake. Drake beat them 52-7, to leaving them at 7-4 and four to end the season. 
And number 12, Southeastern University, uh, was in the NAIA playoffs this week, and they too lost uh, 63 to 49 against Lindsey Wilson of Kentucky, uh, ending their season eight and two. And Doc, usually if you score 49 points, uh, you think you're going to get a win in that. But uh, unfortunately, uh, Lindsey Wilson did did a little more uh, than Southeastern, put up 63 big ones there. Yeah, yeah. Usually you score that many points, you think you're going to have a pretty good uh, pretty good outcome. But obviously that didn't work out. I agree. Uh, so let, let me, let's talk about the Kings real quick, Doc. Uh, I don't know if you saw that game or not, but uh, Virginia came to play. They went down to South Florida. They had a they had a, you know a upset on their mind. Excuse me, that upset on their mind uh, the entire day. They were beating the heck out of the Kings in the first half. It didn't even look like Miami came to play. They they probably played their worst half of football this year, uh, and I'm guessing everyone in in, in the country was seeing or, or was guessing the uh, Miami Hurricanes were not going to be able to come back. The second half, this was a game of two halves. The second half, the Hurricane, uh, Hurricanes came out and just walloped the Virginia Cavaliers uh, and ended up beating them 44-28. to 28. Uh, I mean, it was just a tale of two halves, Doc. The second half, these guys woke up. Canes must have went in at halftime and decided that they wanted to come out and play, uh, and that's exactly what they did. They just, they just came out and just stomped Virginia after that. Yeah, you know, I think this is a classic uh, letdown game where Miami's had two nationally televised games. Crowd was rocking previously, and then they play in a classic uh, catch-em game and took them a while to get the energy up, but they obviously came through and pulled that off. I want to make sure I give everybody the uh, the call-in number. Um, we've got a number is 657-383-1684. Please give us a call. We'll uh, – be happy to chat about anything you guys want to talk about. Obviously, a lot of coaching rumors flying around. I uh, would love to get some uh, conversation going. And we got a caller uh, from New Jersey. We've got Lou from New Jersey who actually wants to talk about the Iron Bowl this week, uh, Auburn versus Alabama. So let's, let's go ahead. And, uh, Lou, you here? Yes. Lou, so you want to talk about the Iron Bowl. Are you, uh, are you a Bama guy or an Auburn guy? Well, I want to – I usually play favorites in this league, but if I was a betting man on this, I think I would have to go with Bama. The way they've been playing all year, they've been blowing almost everybody out except for, like, one game. And I think they're going to just roll it over against against Auburn and make a run for the national title. Of course, there's always a possibility we had way back in 2014, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, certainly we had the the, uh, the kick six. Uh, I believe it was 2013, I believe, and then 2014. You had Auburn, uh, you know, obviously pulling it out. But you know, Auburn's got a very tough defense, and and Bama um, and Jalen Hurts, I think, has struggled against very very good front lines. So I I think it's going to be close. Um, certainly, Bama's probably going to be the favorite by I, I would suspect a field goal or less uh, by the time things roll into it. But uh, the winner of that game, without question is sitting pretty uh, for the national championship. And believe it or not, Bama, if they were to lose, they, they still got a shot to uh, to stay in the mix if a few things fall their way. So uh, it's kind of a bit – it's a huge game for Auburn. Uh, I think Bama is uh, in if they win, regardless of what happens in the SEC championship game. But but certainly a big game, and, and it's going to be fun to watch. And one thing, you, any thoughts on yeah, that? One, yeah, one thing for sure is when you got a rivalry game, it, you can throw the records out. You can throw the stats out. You can throw everything out. And, uh, you know, Alabama, you know, they when you got that one on your back, everybody's gunning for you. And we just saw what Auburn did to a team who got moved up to the number one. They just decimated the Georgia Bulldogs 
uh, it was a few weeks ago now, and uh, that wasn't even a close game. Uh, I don't think that that this is going to be a, a blowout by any stretch. I think when you get Auburn at home and you get that crowd roaring, I don't know that, you know, it's an easy place to play. And like the doc said, you know, that, that defense in Auburn is pretty solid. And uh, if they can give uh, uh, Jalen Hurts some some fits uh, at the line of scrimmage, it, it could it could be a bad day for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, yeah, Lou, are, are you you up there? You up there in New Jersey? Do you got any favorites in the uh, the Northeast? Or are you uh, are you a Bama guy or a Southeast uh, kind of guy? Well, I'm, well, I generally pay attention more of the. Um, I do pay attention to the the Big Ten. I do follow Pac-12 and um, whatever we call our conference now. Since the Big East is gone <laughs> in football, so. Right. Uh, but you know, but I do pay attention. Like uh, Penn State, uh, Princeton. And Rutgers, though, you know, as much as um, you know, I am from Jersey. Rutgers does not belong playing in the Big Ten. I mean, it's embarrassing to watch. They get blown out. Yesterday, they got blown out forty-one to nothing. And I've seen some of the worst games they they've played since they went into this conference. It is just humiliating. They have to go to a weaker conference. Yeah, you know, they they obviously followed the uh, the money and the TV deal, and you can't fault them for that, but. Um, you know, it's a shame. You know, Rutgers is, yeah, Rutgers has had a couple of good years. You know, when they had Greg Schiano as a coach yeah. and Ray Rice as a running back. Um, you know, obviously, Rutgers. Uh, many people don't know this was the first, one of the teams in the first, very first college football game of all time. So there's a lot of history there. So yeah, yeah, you'd, you'd like to see them uh, find some success certainly in the future. But Lou, thank you very much for listening and thank you for the call. And we'll see what happens uh, with the Iron Bowl this year. Yeah. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. All right. All right, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Lou calling in from New Jersey. Good for him. Doc, what do you think? Let me ask you real quick, since we're on the topic. we Obviously, we cover a lot of South, you know, Florida teams in Florida, obviously one of the bigger ones uh, in the SEC. I mean, Bamba just seems that they just beat everybody. I, I mean, I know I, I hate to say that about them because, you know, you, you don't, you, you know, you want to have where you can go into a college football season thinking you're going to win every game, right? But when you see Alabama on your schedule, mentally they've already beat you just by seeing their name on the schedule. Why do you think they continue to be so good and so dominant? Well, I, I think Nick Saban obviously has developed a a system there that's very successful, and 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 you know they've got a lot of a lot of money coming in, and and rightfully so, and 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 you know. I think when you look at college football in this day and age, uh, as a good friend of mine, uh, Noah Brandeis, who was a uh, uh, college coach, he followed Coach Spurrier uh, and was an offensive coordinator at UNLV, as he's told me numerous times, you know, it ain't about the X's and the O's, it's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. So in this day and age, recruiting, you live and die by recruiting, and and, and Bama right now is rolling. And every year, if you look at signing day, they're, they're, they've got a top five class and uh, more four and five stars than anybody. And then obviously very good coaches as well. So, you know, it's going to take a, it's going to take a, a team to likely in the SEC to, to have a few good years of recruiting and, and have a very good coach come in to kind of, to kind of stop that train. And, and we'll see if that happens in the next few years. Well, let me ask you this, though, Doc. If you're a five-star athlete and Nick Saban walks into your to your living room to recruit you and he tells you, listen, you're not going to play till you're a senior, as, as an athlete that's competitive, 
You want to be on the field? I mean, what what takes a kid out of the mindset of, hey, I guess I can sit and wait for four years? Is it the, is it obviously the tradition, obviously the winning? But but what kid, I mean, how, how does he able to get kid after – I mean, they, the one goes down, they got nine ready to go that are just as good and as talented as the one that's starting. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I, I, the second and third string teams at Alabama could go and start at most major D1 universities right now. So – I mean, it's just un- it's just unreal how this guy continues to to beat everybody in the recruiting game every year, year in and year out. Yeah, I'm not sure how they convince these kids to uh, these four and five star athletes to come with the plan that they're not going to be the starters. I mean, they got a running back from California who's their third string running back who was the number one player in the nation last year, a guy named Najee Harris, I believe his name is. How do you convince that kid from California to come knowing he's not going to play uh, or play much? Uh, you know, I, I don't know how they do that, and, and that's something obviously that they've been able to establish through their success. And, again, I think it'll take a few years of, of a team, um, you know, having more success than them for that to go away. Right. Well, speaking of a team that has success, uh, UCF this weekend traveled to the uh, the frozen areas of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, UCF Central Florida team, the coldest we've gotten so far has been around 70 degrees, 65 degrees here. Uh, and they started slow up in the cold. Uh, you know, they, they were down, I think, believe 10 to 3 uh, to Temple to start that game. Obviously, they came back and, and beat beat the poop out of them 45 to 19. Uh, but again, just another team and could be another one of those instances where they were just looking ahead to their matchup next week uh, against USF, but they also started slow, uh, but eventually, you know, poured it on. I I watched that game from beginning to end, and I told you last week I'm jumping on the UCF bandwagon here, and they have a receiver called Traquan Smith. This guy is probably the best receiver in the country. Uh, You can take my – I'll go on record with that. This guy made a catch on the sideline that will rival anything that Randy Moss has ever done. I mean, he's just a big body. He goes up and gets the ball. The guy is phenomenal. And every single guy on that offense – can, can just blow the doors off you speed-wise. It's, it's unreal to watch. And that quarterback, uh, Mackenzie Melton, wow, this kid's unbelievable. And he's going to continue to be better every year. So congrats to the UCF Knights. Uh, also this weekend, the Gators got a win finally under Randy Shannon. Uh, I was happy that they were able to do that for him. Uh, you know, they, they played well. Uh, they had a UAB team that was pretty good. I, I got to be honest with you. I, I, I was nervous for the Gators. I thought that they weren't going to pull this one out. UAB's bowl eligible, especially coming from a school that, you know, obviously hadn't had a program two years ago. Uh, but they did well. And, and uh, Doc, what did you see at that game? You know, they, you know, this is obviously the best they looked all year. And, and, and UAB is, is a bowl eligible team. So for all the people out there saying, oh, it's just UAB, they had seven wins on the season. So this was no no gimme game by any stretch of the imagination. I, I would argue that UAB's coach uh, should be in the mix for National Coach of the Year. Because if you remember, two years ago, they didn't even have a team. You know, they, they, got, they got dropped for a year and then came back. Oh, looks like we're having some difficulties here with the Doc's mic. Doc, you with us here? You just completely cut out on us here. Well, let's wait till the Doc gets back here. Uh, we'll, We'll catch up with him as soon as he gets back here and gets back into the show. 
All right. So continue where we're at. Uh, yeah, the doc was just a piggyback when he's saying that, you know UAB is a bowl eligible team. Their their coach, uh, who was a coach who didn't have a program even two years ago, assembled a program uh, and and is going to win maybe eight games in his first year or his second year back since the program was defunct. Uh, so that in itself was was uh, you know a, a feat feat there. I mean he, he should get some consideration for coach of the year because it's hard to do that. Uh, when you can take a team all by yourself and then just go from non-existent to to someone that's excellent and and, and competing at a high level, uh, so again, the coach there I think should should have some uh, some praise when it comes to that conversation as far as coach of the year goes. Also this weekend we had the classic, the Florida Classic over in Orlando, Florida, uh, between Bethune Cookman and uh, FAMU, the FAMU Rattlers, and that was a great game. I don't know if anybody caught that one, uh, but there was a lot of fireworks in this game also. Uh, not only did Bethune-Cookman come back to win that game, uh, let's see if we got the Doc back here. Doc, you with us? Yes, man. Yes, sir. I got uh, got taken out there. I think we, I think yeah, we, we got some uh, – I think we got some Florida State fans who may have gotten a hold of uh, of our system. <laughs> and cut, cut, me, cut me out when I was praising the Gators there. So, can you guys hear me okay? <laughs> Yeah, everything's good now. I think we got you, Doc. Uh, we're, we've moved on. We're, we're, we're now talking about – did you want to finish your thought there on the UAB coach before I move on? Yeah, so I was saying that, uh, you know, that obviously he should be in for the coach of the year. And, and you know, everyone who's been around the, the program and the hurricane program in, in the early 2000s uh, speak very highly of uh, Randy Shannon. So you, you got to feel good that they pulled this out. And, and then going into the big rivalry game, uh, at, you know, on this Saturday uh, goes sure. a long way. Definitely. And uh, we were talking about the Bethune-Cookman Classic, and uh, I was just talking about that game as well and the fireworks we had there. Uh, Bethune-Cookman came back to win that game against FAMU uh, 29-24. But after the game, a state representative named Ramon Alexander, a FAMU graduate, tweeted, and this is a direct tweet, Coach Alex Wood must be fired immediately for the fake punt call in the fourth quarter of the Classic. And I mean immediately. So there was a fake punt that came in in the fourth quarter with the Rattlers up 24 to 17, uh, but it was a botched attempt at the punt fake, which led to a Cookman score. The extra point was blocked, which made the score 24 to 23 FAMU with 7:02 left in the game. The Wildcats took the lead later in the fourth and missed a two-point conversion, leaving the final score 29 to 24 BCU. Daquan Richardson intercepted a pass in the end zone with 35 seconds left on the clock to seal that victory. Uh, coach Wood, the coach there, is overall eight and twenty-five in three seasons at FAMU, and the interim AD J- John Easton of FAMU said he would leave the decision of firing or keeping their head coach Alex Wood, uh, as his contract is up, to the outgoing athletic director Milton Overload Jr. Oh, excuse me, Overton Jr. And his last day is actually December first. So how about that, Doc? He guy's going to be going out on December first, but he could potentially fire a coach right before he goes. That'll be the last thing he does is to fire a coach right before he leaves. Yeah, you know, you, you have to question the uh, the thought process of this representative who who's tweeting this out. I mean, FAMU is a state a state institution, and, and this guy is representing the uh, the public. Um, you know, so certainly he's a he's an emotional fan, and 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 many of us are, are emotional about the teams that we follow. But but if you're if you're a state representative, you cannot be attacking a state institution. So, I agree. Uh, Sammy G, we've got a, we've got a, a, a very fortunate to have 
our guest here, uh, Andy Staples, uh, is a senior college football writer um, from Sports Illustrated. You may have seen him on Paul Feinbaum's show. Uh, he's got his uh, serious broadcast. Uh, Andy, you there? I'm here. Hey, man. How hey, you doing? Andy. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thank you. Oh, no problem. So let's, let's give you uh, – give us your, your Twitter handle, Andy, so we'll let everyone know to follow you. I know you got lots of followers, but your stuff on, on Twitter is always uh, super impressive. I, I am Andy underscore Staples. And I know you also have your serious uh, show on on Sunday mornings. Is that correct? Sunday mornings, 9 to 1 Eastern Time on Channel 84 on Sirius XM. And then also give us your – you have a sort of a secondary uh, – uh, interest in, in, in as being a foodie, which is really impressive. You know, I know that I've, I've picked your brain on several occasions, but uh, you, uh, you know, all the college towns and, and towns that you've been in for, through your job, you've uh, written up and, and have some great write-ups on the restaurants in the town and, and the food and, and all that. So uh, how can our listeners uh, um, f- follow you on that regard? Uh, you just go to SI Eats. You go to SI.com slash eats. Uh, or you can follow at SI Eats, and uh, I believe, or actually, I believe it's SI, at SI underscore Eats. But yeah, so I, I end up writing about food a lot because look, I got to go on the road. I got to eat when I'm on the road. Why not write about it? No, now, now I know. Now, now I know where the doc gets all his food recommendations every time we go somewhere. This guy's got the. We we show up at the greatest spots on on in the nation, and the doc's always telling us, "Oh, you should go here. You got to you got to let us know where you're getting your information from, doc." Yeah, no, now you know. Now you know. <laughs> he, he's got a great write-up on, on on the best dishes in each college town, also the the uh, the most appropriate drink in each college town. So, so go check that out. It's really great. So, Andy, I'm not gonna, oh, yeah. I'm not, gonna I'm not gonna hold you up too long here, but I want to spend a few minutes just kind of talking about uh, the sort of uh, what's gonna occur here probably in the next few days. We call it the coaching carousel. So we got a little uh, theme here about what's going to happen here. Uh, you know, obviously, Twitter right now is going ballistic with uh, the, the 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 rumors that uh, the UF administration are in uh, New Hampshire as we speak. Um, you know, going to be signing Chip Kelly. Obviously, UCLA job opened up today, and that may or may not have put some pressure on Florida. I guess my first question uh-huh. to you, from a uh, as a true as a true journalist, is how do you feel about how social media has sort of taken over the reporting of these things? And none of the information is verified. None of it's vetted. Um, obviously, it brings a lot of attention to it, which may be a good thing from from a journalist perspective. But you know, you guys are in the business of making sure when you report something, you have some substance behind it, and, and, and your your sources are, are truthful. So, what are your thoughts on how quickly these things are flying around with uh, people chasing airplanes and all these different things around the country and trying to figure out, trying to get the scoop on what's going on? Uh, it, you know, look, you just have to decide as a reader who you want to trust. That, that's all it is. There, there are people on social media who everything they put out is 100% true, and there are people who put who have a, a significantly lower batting average. So you just have to decide what you trust. And it's it, it's with this thing with the coaching search, it's crazy. Because, like, uh, from what I'm told right now, Chip Kelly is trying to make a decision about what to do. He's got at least a few options. And one one option opened up today, UCLA. Mm. So, you know, he doesn't have to pick one today. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to coach at all if he doesn't want to. The situation is mm-hmm. not perfect. So, 
you know, everybody wants it to be. I think one of the things is we're so used to getting force-fed news in this 24-7 cycle. You know, there's a lot of there's, sometimes there's a news vacuum. You know, there has been no solid news to report on the Florida search. You know, I I think there's there's been contact with Chip Kelly. I don't know if if an offer's been made or anything like that. Uh, I'd tell you if I did, but you know. <laughs> Until this point, you don't have anything solid. If you don't have anything solid to go on, you can't you can't chase every single rumor. I mean, I, I try to stay in touch with people, so I know what's going on. But you know, it's it's not that easy. You got your plane trackers, you got everybody else, and uh, you got the Tennessee job where they you got people convinced that John Gruden's coming and they're convinced they saw him at at Calhoun's <laughs> on the river across the stadium yesterday. When, when, in fact, he was in Seattle. Talking to his new offensive yeah. coordinator. Yeah, Peyton Manning. That's right. Right. That's one tip-off, by the way, that you're reading something fake. If it if they say that Peyton Manning is going to be the offensive coordinator, then <laughs> that's probably fake. Yeah, I saw you hey, tweeted man. about uh, I saw you tweeted about your uh, how much you like Calhoun's on the river. I, I told uh, Sammy G that next time we're in Knoxville, great season, we got it. Yeah, we got to check no, it out. I'll send you better for food. That's that's for scene. That's for people watching. Have you been to Lonesome Dove there in Knoxville yet? I've heard that's a pretty good place. Have you heard I of that not, place? No, my favorite place in Knoxville is a is a burger place called Stock and Barrel. It's in uh, Market Square downtown area. Uh, yep. Some of the best burgers you'll have. Oh, we got to keep that in mind. So let's talk about what we know and then what, what potentially could happen here. So obviously we know Florida is open. We know Tennessee is open. We know that UCLA is open. We're going to focus on more of the Power Five uh, schools. So, you know, obviously Oregon State's open. You know, we know Ole Miss is looking for a coach. You know, but now the rumors are flying that uh, that Texas A&M is, is likely going to open up at the end of this year. That, yeah, it, it is. So that one, yeah, that one certainly looks like that. And then you got Arkansas. You know, they fired their athletic director four days ago. Speaking yeah. of, I, no, that, that kind of got glanced over. But but Jeff Long was the head of the college football selection committee, or the playoff committee, just two years ago, and now he's getting yeah. fired from his own institution. That that that's a well, pretty big step down there. Tell tells you all you need to know. If yeah. you're an athletic director, it doesn't really matter what you do as long as you hire a football coach that makes everybody happy. That that is the main component of the job. That will keep you can do everything else terribly and do that well and keep the job and everybody happy with you, or you can do everything else perfectly and do that poorly and get fired. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, I, I can't believe that. You know, for me, I can't believe Texas A&M job. I mean, I can't believe it. But I, I mean, under under Coach Sumlin, I mean, he's fifty one and twenty five. He's got a winning record there. It's not like he's he's not stinking up the field everywhere. Uh, it's hard to believe that they want him out so quickly. I mean, I know he's been there for six years, but, I mean, he's he's done pretty well. Why do you think they want him out so bad? Uh, because they have outrageous expectations, and they've spent all this money to, to upgrade their stadium and their facilities, and they feel like they should be doing better. Uh, I think one of the worst things that happened to them was being so good that first year in the SEC and beating Alabama and Tuscaloosa and Manziel winning the Heisman. And they they got this out, you know, just a different notion of what being in the SEC would mean for them. Right. They thought it was going to be like that every year, and obviously it can't be like that every year when Alabama has an statement. You know, yeah, Auburn is good, LSU is good. You're dealing with a lot of of really good programs that you have to play every single year, and Texas A&M is not 
been a historically dominant program. You know, no. what Kevin Sumlin has done there has been about as good a run as they, they have. Right. They don't have a lot of really great sustained runs in their history. So, you know, I, I think it's a case of their expectations don't match the reality of, of where they are. Right. But they look you at know, themselves, and, and I have a hard time blaming them for this because they look at themselves and they see a, a, a school with tons of resources in a recruitment environment. There's no reason they shouldn't be able to do this. So they're, they're kind of in that sleeping giant mode, and they, the way you do that, you know, the way you wake up a sleeping giant is you, you hire that magical coach, whether it's right. Bruce at Florida or Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. But the problem is there's usually only one guy that can do that. And maybe that guy's not even available right now. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to me. I'm sorry. It's crazy to me that if you look at uh, Dan Mullen's SEC record and Kevin Sutherland's SEC record, they are almost identical. Now, granted, uh, Texas A&M is much better resources and, and, and much better recruiting grounds than Mississippi State, but Dan Mullen is, is, is on the uh, maybe the top five list on of the, the – on the hottest coaches right now, and Kevin Sublin yeah. is, uh, you know, is, is gone from the penthouse to the outhouse just like that. It's sort of crazy to yeah. me to look at it. And, and that was actually going to be my comment: is is that is that is Coach Sumlin is he not as good as what everyone's looking to bring in? And the doc answered my question: he's basically the same. <laughs> so why get rid of a guy and bring it? You don't want to replace him with the same a guy who does the same kind of thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, but, but that's that's where you're at. I mean, strange things happen. Like, Dave Clawson is working wonders at Wake Forest, but yeah. he would never be considered for the Tennessee job because he was the offensive coordinator for one year in 2008 when Philip Fulmer got fired. Yeah. He would never yeah, be considered after that. Yeah, he's done a great job at Wake Forest. he's been Forest. good everywhere he's been, except for that one time. And yeah. So, I mean, that that's how screwy this stuff gets. So, so potentially, potentially based on the Iron Bowl, if Auburn loses, the rumors are that uh, Gus Malzahn may want to go home, go back to to Arkansas and kind of re- revive that that program. And then you got rumors that Jimbo Fisher is on the short list to go to Texas A&M. Obviously, he's got some some personal issues in in Tallahassee that maybe he wants to separate himself from. Um, you know, you got you got Lane Kiffin floating around there as, as a potential some of these places. You know, you've got uh, Chip Kelly. I mean, it's just – is this, is this the, the craziest coaching cycle that you've seen since you've been doing this, or is this, is this par for the course? This is pretty normal. Uh, the Chip Kelly thing is added to the dimension because you have a guy who's not coaching right now that makes it right. more interesting. You had Urban Meyer like that uh, at the end of the 2011 season. So, uh, it's, it, this, is, this is how these things go. You know, they, they get a little interesting, and you know, you're seeing it up close with Florida having an opening, but you know, especially Florida having kind of the first big opening. So you get every rumor and everything. You know, Nebraska will fire Mike Riley after their game on Friday, and then they'll probably hire a new coach. Well, we'll see. If they wind up hiring Scott Frost, it may be another week or so before that happens. But, uh, but they might move pretty fast if it's not. Uh, Tennessee fired Butch Jones last week. They may have a coach by next weekend, depending on who they pick. So, you know, it, it's just one of those things that uh, every year there it has its own little bit of weirdness to it. And how much does uh, – let me ask you this. How, how much does getting a coach quickly affect the recruiting? Well, you've got the early signing period this year. 
So you've actually got guys who can sign in December, which, which should make it a little more interesting, but I don't think anybody's going to seriously accelerate their recruiting process or their, their coach hiring process because of that. You know, when you make a coaching change, you pretty much accept the fact that that's going to be a down recruiting year for you. So, you know, I don't think you, you hurry. Like, for example, let's say some, some school wants Scott Frost, and Scott Frost wins on Friday, and his team's going to play in the American Championship game. Well, that school that wants Scott Frost is going to go ahead and wait another week. They're not just going to hire somebody and not get right. the guy they want because of that week. It's not, sure. you know, you're, you're making what you hope is a 20-year decision and not a, a, a two-week decision. No, I, I've yeah. been making the argument. I've been making the argument uh, on here that you know Nebraska of the 1990s is going to be very, very difficult to to return to. You know, you know back then that they had, impossible. yeah, back then they had the facilities that were uh, you know above most other places. Now with the TV money, everyone's got the facilities. And really, what it boils down to is your ability, your 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 recruit base within about a four or five hour drive of your of your institution. And that, that, that really puts Nebraska into a bind. So do you think that goes into the decision-making process of somebody like a Scott Frost who mind you, when he was a player there was, was, uh, was ridiculed very, very hardly by the very, you know, was had a tough, tough time with the Nebraska fans until they won the national championship and had a bit of a event with a, a certain running back by the name of Lawrence Phillips during his time there. But do you think that goes into his thought process of, kind of the ability to recruit, and he's been recruiting Florida now oh, for, yeah. for two I mean, years. He didn't, he didn't pick UCF by accident as his yeah. first head coaching job. He, he picked it because it was a place where he could get recruits. Uh, it is much tougher to recruit in Nebraska. And But the thing is, I don't think the Nebraska people in charge expect a return to the 90s. I think they understand that a realistic expectation is maybe uh, what Wisconsin is now, where you're winning nine, ten games a year, you're you're in competition for your division every single year. Uh, you win your division pretty frequently, and then you can, you know, you get a one-game scenario to compete for the Big Ten title. That's doable at Nebraska. It just, it's going to take a, a unique offense, a, a, an offensive identity that is theirs, that does not require a bunch of four- and five-star players. And that's what, that's what Oregon did. So if it winds up being Scott Frost, I think, you know, that's a good fit. Or if it winds yeah. up being Mike Leach. He's a guy who can, who's proven he can do that. So they, they can win, and I think most of their fans understand what the realistic level of winning should be. Yeah. And, so, uh, and Mike, Leach, Mike Leach actually has some ties to, the, to Nebraska as well. I, I, I know he's, he's got a relationship with their AD, uh, Bill Moose, over oh, there. Right. Bill Moose hired him at Washington State. Same. Yeah. Do you think Mike Leach is in the in the mix at UCLA potentially? I, I think he'd take it. The, yeah. the question is whether uh, whether they they want to hire him. And that's the question for a lot of folks with Leach is you know they they realize he's a little bit different guy and they're used to one thing from a football coach. Are they going to be able to handle different? But the guy's won in Lubbock and Pullman. He can win anywhere. Yeah. 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 Go ahead, Sammy. We'll go and ask uh, Andy one more question. We'll let him go here. Yeah, I was just going to ask. The doc made a, a pretty good uh, assessment when he, when it comes to the recruiting around the around the uh, the university. There, I've, I've said Mike Norvell at Tennessee would be a good fit because he's recruited the state of Tennessee for quite some time over at Memphis. Uh, he also brings one of the highest you know scoring offenses 
in the country uh, to Knoxville as well. So I, I've always contested that Mike Norvell would be one of the top candidates for that job. Uh, I also said T Martin because I, obviously he's, he's Mr. Tennessee winning their national championship in, in 1998. Um, and he, he, although he hasn't had any, you know, head coaching experience. Uh, he is the OC over Ooh, the at, USC. at USC. Yeah, USC, and he's recruited at a high level. So yeah, right. And he was at Kentucky prior to that, so he's got he's got some yeah. some knowledge there. And the other name I talked to the doc about today was David Cutcliffe, also from Duke. Uh, you know, obviously. Yeah, I, I actually think David Cutcliffe would be perfect. I think David Cutcliffe would be perfect for a lot of jobs. I think mm-hmm. he would be the the victim of some age discrimination in this situation. Uh, but I I. I think David Cutcliffe is one of the best coaches in America. So uh, no I, I don't it. know that they would consider him at, at this time around. Uh, I think Dan Mullen is a the guy they can and should consider. I think Mike Norvell is another excellent choice. I think you got to at least talk to T. Martin just to see where he's sure. at and if he's ready to be a head coach. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they've got some options. And, and I think they got a pretty good roster. And if they make the right hire – they should turn around fairly quickly. Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah. They have a lot of lot of lot of uh, talent over in Tennessee, and they always do. Well, we got Andy Andy Staples at help me, help me out Andy at Andy State at Andy underscore Staples. Is that correct, Andy? Yep, that's right. Yeah, follow him on Twitter. It's it's great. He is he is he is a senior college football writer for Sports Illustrated. He knows his stuff. He knows his stuff on food. Um, Andy, is there any last-minute thing maybe flying under the radar that uh, maybe uh, you, you think you, you are keeping an eye on with some of these spots or in any names that maybe are not getting a lot of uh, publicity that, that maybe we should keep an eye on in the next couple of weeks? Uh, in terms of jobs? Yeah, and any for- – any- yeah, anything that jumps out to you that maybe are not no, uh, on the uh... basically what what we've expected. Um, yeah, you know, A and M will probably open up. Nebraska, Texas Tech will probably open up. Uh, Arizona State, Graham might keep his job. So that that's an interesting one. You know, everybody's assuming before the season that he'd be done, but he, he may get another shot. How well, realistic is Florida? How, how real? I'm sorry, one more. How, how realistic is the Florida State opening? Um, I don't know. I, somebody comes after Jimbo pretty much every year, so you know, he's he's got to figure out what what's going on with his staff and and what he wants to do, uh, and and it'll be interesting to see what Florida State says in terms of money. Right. You know they they gotta they're gonna have to pony up if they want to hire a a known name defensive coordinator. So will they do that? If they will, then he's he's probably fine. If they say, you know, you need to fire Charles Kelly, we're not going to give you the money to hire who you need, well, then you may want to consider some of this other stuff. Yeah. I'd assume right. A&M would be one that would want to come after him. Sure. Well, he's Andy Staples, at Andy St- underscore Staples. Please follow him on Twitter. Andy, thank you very much for uh, for coming on. We really appreciate it. No problem. Yeah, thanks a lot, Andy. Thank you. Look forward to having you again. Take care, right, bud. Bye. Bye-bye. It's always good to get some uh, quality information from someone in the know there, Doc. Yeah, no, he, he is definitely in the know. I mean, as I said, senior sports writer for Sports Illustrated. It doesn't get much more in the know than that. Why don't you hit us with our sponsor real fast here, Sammy G? Yeah, definitely. This uh, Just Blog Talk Radio, this is the Three and Out show, uh, sponsored today by uh, Raposa Perry & Young, certified public accountant. The complex world of public accounting covers many disciplines, 
The CPAs of Raposa Perry Young offer expertise in commercial and personal finance, estate planning, business valuation, succession planning, mergers, acquisitions, and more. So for your uncommon expertise, contact RPY today with offices in Daytona Beach and Port Orange, Florida, or you can visit them at rpyllc.com. So let's move on. That was a great, 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 great talk there, definitely by those guys, or by Andy. Uh, Definitely want to move on. This week's a big week uh, in the state of Florida. Two big major games we have coming up. Obviously, the war on I-4 is definitely uh, something that we need to talk about. Um, This week, UCF and USF are going to be battling again, um, which obviously the war on I-4 has got a lot more implications this year. Uh, based on the fact that uh, USF, number 19 USF, is going to play in Orlando to face the undefeated UCF Knights. Um, UCF, obviously, one of the biggest turnarounds in college football this year, and uh, Scott Frost has a lot to do with that. Uh, This game has a lot more than just – more than just – more more than just bragging rights. This game right here, uh, the Warren I-4 – uh, it's just it's, you're going to have two high-flying offenses, uh, two big-time coaches in Scott Frost um, and uh, uh, Charlie Strong. Excuse me. Uh, Doc, the war on I-4 this week, what do you expect to see on that? You know, it's, it's crazy that we're going into the, uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving in the state of Florida and the game that we're – uh, most people are talking about is is UCF versus USF. You know, it's it's, <laughs> right. uh, it's it just kind of shows you exemplifies what uh, what's going on in our state right now. But you know, it's an important game. Both these coaches are on a lot of people's short lists, and so I think that for for coaching, you know, for the potential to move on. So I think that this game uh, will go a long way to, um, you know, maybe putting one of them above the other. And and you know, I think UCF is, is right now is a juggernaut. And uh, you know they're 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 clicking on all cylinders, and I just don't see USF hanging with them. But but you never know. But but yeah, it's it's a, it's it's unbelievable to me that this is a game that that this, the the Saturday of Thanksgiving that we're talking about right now. Yeah, it's actually the game on Friday. Believe it or not, they're playing it on Friday Sorry. this year. Um, right. But listen, you're right. When 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 you have these two teams, these are now, these are two high powered offenses on both sides of the ball. We could see 120 points you know, 130 points put up in this game. Um, UCF's defense isn't phenomenal. Uh, they're good. They get the job done. Um, and USF, I believe, actually has a pretty decent defense. Uh, so it's going to be one higher-powered offense against an okay defense and one higher-powered offense against a pretty good defense. So, like I said, you know, when you have a rivalry game, you can throw the records out. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, you know, this is just going to be one of those games that, you know, I think it's just going to be the last man standing. Uh, I personally think like yourself, I think UCF just has too many horses in this one and they're going to beat they're going to beat USF on, on Friday night. Uh, also this Saturday, now that we can talk about Saturday doc, uh, the beloved Florida state Seminoles travel to Gainesville to play the university of Florida. Uh, this game now is not just for bragging rights doc. This game actually means something, believe it or not. They're both four and six, but this game still means something. It's a must-win for both teams uh, as the winner uh, becomes bowl eligible, believe it or not. Uh, well, Florida can become bowl eligible. Florida State, because they added that game that they missed during the hurricane, uh, has to win both of their games, this one in against Louisiana Monroe, I believe. Um, but the winner of this moves on, and the loser could potentially enjoy the next three holidays, which, which they don't want to do. 
FSU actually has played in a bowl game, Doc, in 35 consecutive seasons, which just so happens to be the longest streak in the FBS. And for those of you not good at math, that means the last time that they didn't make a bowl, 1981, Doc, 1981. And if the Seminoles don't make it, the new streak will be Virginia Tech's 24 games, uh, which will move them to 25 because they're bowl eligible right now at 8-3. and And Georgia would be third and actually move to second. Uh, right now they have 20, but they will move to 21 because they're 10 and one, uh, and they too are bowl eligible. Uh, the last time UF wasn't in a bowl, 2013, when they went four and eight under Will Muschamp. You remember that season, Doc? I, I do remember that season. Uh, they had losses to uh, Vanderbilt for the first time in about 25 years. They lost to a Georgia Southern team with a triple option, which is a never a team that you should bring in that runs a triple option because no matter who they are, you're going to struggle against them. Um, but I do remember that season. And if you don't think these kids, uh, especially on Florida, uh, would would love to be the ones to, to end that streak, then, then you got you got another thing coming. I mean, there, there are some kids on Florida State potentially who's – Whose uh, whose parents may have been uh, little kids, little babies the last time Florida State was not in a bowl game. So this, this game matters. This game this game always matters. I don't care what the records are. This game always matters. For those of us who have grown up in the state of Florida, uh, you pretty much have always picked a side in this game. Um, and I can remember being a young kid, and it's always Thanksgiving weekend. I can remember remember being a young kid on a train going to Williamsburg, Virginia. Uh, and trying to catch this game somewhere on some radio station to listen to the game when I was about 10 years old because this game always matters. So, it, it, it you know, throw the records out the window. Um, this is going to be emotion. This is going to be hard-hitting. This is going to be do or die. And if you don't think the kids in Gainesville would love to end that streak and at least hang their hat on that this season, then then, then, then you don't understand the uh, the importance of college football in the state of Florida. And a lot of these kids, Doc, they actually played against each other in high school too. So there's more, you know, it's more than just Florida, Florida State here. You know, these kids have played each other. A lot of these kids know each other on some of the teams. Uh, some players have com- were committed to Florida at one time, then backed out. Uh, some were committed to Florida State and backed out and went to Florida. I mean, there's just so many underlying circumstances that go in, that are involved in this football game uh, that, I mean, it's you could see an all-out brawl to start this thing. If, if, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if that ended up happening for sure. Yeah, and there are historic games that many of us remember uh, in this rivalry. Who could forget the the, the choke at Doak? Uh, I clearly remember that. You remember us uh, where I was at our friend Sean's house. Remember our friend Sean growing up? I remember. I remember at halftime, Gators were up thirty-one to three. I jumped into the pool. I said, "This game is over. I'm going to hang out in the pool for the next few hours." I came back in the fourth quarter, and the game was tied up. So. And then you've got the 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 infamous uh, Doug Johnson, Noah Brandeis, Steve Spurrier uh, switching them out every single play. Um, you know, so there are historic games from this oh, rivalry yeah. that that people talk about, and you never know this may be one of them. So even though I believe it's a noon game on Saturday, uh, don't miss it because um, you know the, 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 this game this game always uh, you know always uh, excites. I also remember watching Sebastian Janikowski kick some field goals and Gator chomping it around the around the field, and they end up losing the game too. So uh, yep. let me ask you this: Let me ask you this, Doc. While we're here, uh, we grew up obviously with this Florida Florida State rivalry being one of the biggest things uh, in our college football lives as kids, and and actually now into our adult years. But who's been your favorite Florida player through this rivalry uh, at Florida Florida State? Who's been your favorite Florida State player? 
you know, I, this, this is this is a very uh, you know personal question in the sense that you know I grew up as a young kid. I was a huge Emmett Smith fan, and, and I chose the number 22 throughout my life when I played in sports and, and different things because of two people: Emmett Smith, running back from Florida Gators, and Herbert Perry, first baseman for the Florida Gators. Those were the reasons why I chose number 22. So I've always. Uh, you know, been very, um, you know, uh, very close and following Emmett Smith throughout his very successful career. Uh, and then the other question is is the Florida State question. Even though I did not like him uh, when he was when, when he played for Florida State, I, I I spent some time with Warwick Dunn uh, when I was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, helping them out as one of their team physicians and, and developed a relationship with him. Um, I can I can clearly remember him calling me Doctor Kavorkian when I had to give him an IV before a game. <laughs> Um, you know, so even though uh, even though I hated seeing him run against the Gators um, as a young kid, uh, you know, he, he was somebody that uh, that I grew very fond of, and certainly did a lot for the community. You know, I don't know if you know the story where, as a young kid, uh, he he purchased a home through his charity for Deshaun Watson's family. Uh, when Deshaun Watson was about 12 years old, it was a picture of Warwick Dunn and then a very young Deshaun Watson and his mom and, and the house that Warwick Dunn had just given him. Um, you know, so and obviously we see what Deshaun Watson has turned out to be another great person. So I, I would go Warwick Dunn as my uh, my seminal that I think of most uh, for this rivalry. How about yourself? Well, uh, you know, I, I grew up a t- big Tennessee fan, uh, but you know, knowing the the, the teams in the state, uh, you know, I I, I like. Team, I like guys. I like guys who can play and do things well. Uh, from Florida State, I was a big Peter Work fan. I loved to watch Peter Work play football. Uh, he was one of the most exciting guys on the field. Uh, he, he could turn a 10-yard run into a 40-yard run just because he's running sideline to sideline, uh, making people miss all over the field. Uh, in fact, I, I'm actually related to a guy that knocked Peter Work in the face uh, illegally on a punt uh, from <laughs> Florida. Johnny X, uh, I remember that. Uh, yeah, Johnny X and I took Flor- Peter Work's head off uh, on a punt uh, one time mm-hmm. in, in that game, and I believe that was a regular season game. And that's that year they lost. They actually lost that game, but then Florida came back and won the Sugar Bowl and won the national championship that year. I believe it was in '96. Um, so, so that that was not. I, I could have sworn that was the uh, the choke at Doke when 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 uh, Johnny X leveled uh, Peter Warwick on the fair catch. But it, I it very, very well could have been. It could, I, I remember that. that I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So Peter Work was. A, I'm a big fan favorite uh, of Peter Work in Florida. I got to tell you, I, I'm a big fan, and, and some people might think I'm crazy here, but I've been. I, I'm a big fan of uh, of Lawrence Wright. I used to love watching Lawrence Wright hit people. Uh, big old number four. I, I believe he almost killed Joey Kent one year uh, against Tennessee. Um, he was just a hard nosed guy in the secondary, and uh, I used to love watching. And, and, and even though I you know, like I said, I was a Tennessee fan watching Lawrence Wright just hit people left and right and, and intercepting balls. Um, he just had that, that killer instinct in him that I love to watch. So I would say he was my favorite Florida Gator for this whole thing. I, I, I know it took a lot. I know it took a lot of you uh, for you to swallow your pride and actually pick somebody there since you grew up, uh, <laughs> grew up a Tennessee volunteer. Uh, freaking, yeah. Uh, I won't say know, a lot of good things week. about, I won't say a lot of good things about the Gators, but I will respect <laughs> the guy who can play. That's for sure. Well, you, you, you also help. You also help get a couple of Gators signed uh, within professional contracts. So I think that you've uh, you, you've mended those fences. Hey, for anybody listening, we probably have a time for one more caller. If you want to call in, six five seven three eight three 
1684. We have about eight minutes left, but we're happy to take another caller. 657-383-1684. Hey, Doc, did you, uh, did you happen to see the Baker Mayfield incident this weekend? I did. I did. Well, I'm, listen, Baker Mayfield is going to probably end up winning the Heisman. Would, would we agree on that? I would agree with that, yes. Okay. This guy's got all kinds of problems here. He's, he's grabbing his crotch. He's, he's yelling profanities to the other team. I mean, I will say this. I mean, he probably got a little upset. He started the game with the coin toss. The little three-year-old wouldn't even shake his hand. He had Kansas gear on. <laughs> did, did you see that? I can't, I, I oh, can't yeah. believe that. The little kid wouldn't shake his hand. Yeah. Oh, I went to school in Kansas. They're the nicest people on earth. But you, you really got to upset somebody in Kansas for them not to shake your hand. Unbelievable. Uh, but, but this guy went nuts. Uh, um, you know, he had the off-season DUI. Uh, what, what do you think is going to happen with? I know he's a little twenty-two-year-old kid, uh, but I mean, at what point do we have to hold somebody accountable for for what they're doing here? You know, but p- part of the Heisman voting is, is 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 there's some wording to it about uh, you know representing your institution or whatnot. But you know, nonetheless, you get you, you see the guys who have won over the last five or six years. I, I don't think that that is a deciding factor. Johnny Manziel had problems. Jameis Winston had some problems. You know, you, we've had guys in the last five or six years that have had had problems at their schools and still won the Heisman. So in the end, when it comes down to how they performed on the field, Baker Mayfield is is, is probably going to win the Heisman. But somebody needs to get control of the guy because, I mean, there's no reason why Kansas, who may be the worst um, Division One football team right now in the country, needs to upset Baker Mayfield that much that he <laughs> needs to do that. I mean, there's just no reason for it. You know, he already had to apologize for planting the flag in, in Ohio State with Columbus. Um, you know, he, he now he's apologizing for this. I mean, at some point you say, man, you just do not need to be apologizing as much as you're apologizing. So stop making mistakes. Um, but nonetheless, he's going to win the, win the Heisman. His story is really interesting, and some people may not know this, but he was a walk-on at Texas Tech his freshman year. So he was a three-year, three-star recruit out of Texas, very right. successful in high school. For whatever reason, didn't get, you know, major – uh, major interest. And he was a walk-on at Texas Tech, and I believe, a trivia question, he was the first freshman walk-on to start at a Power 5 uh, school for a quarterback in their opening game. Well, so they, they played the whole season, had pretty good success, and I think he was expecting a scholarship offer at the end of the season, and for whatever reason, they didn't give it to him, and he got mad and he transferred. And he transferred to Oklahoma, and, and obviously has had the success, but they made a rule, it's called the Baker Mayfield Rule, and this rule states that if you transfer, um, you know, because of whatever reason, that you don't lose that year of eligibility. So believe it or not, it wasn't even until about July of this year that they even knew if Baker Mayfield was going to be able to play this season because they counted his year of his transfer as a year of burnt eligibility. So that's how close we were. We came to not even having him on the field this season. So it's a pretty convoluted story, but nonetheless. I think if you look at on the field performance, Baker Mayfield deserves the Heisman Trophy. Do we? Oh, do we have another Johnny Manziel in our hands here? Potentially, you know. Potentially, you, you'd like to think that they can get some advisors and in, 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 with him to, to to you know to get him under control. I, I don't know what his skill set. You, you're the scout. I know I have to look and see if the skill set translates to the NFL level. I don't know the answer to that. I don't hear his name with Sam Darnell and, and, and Rosen at UCLA as being a first-round pick, but I could sure. be wrong. So, um, you know, we'll have to well, see. I think, I, think his, I think his baggage and his off-the-field uh, antics are halting those conversations, to be honest with you, Doc. 
I'm not sure that uh, they're not playing a little bit of part in what's going to happen to him in the future. Uh, we saw what happened with Johnny Menzel. Uh, he got a little fame, got the Heisman Trophy, and that was the end of him. Uh, so, you know, we, we've only seen a few guys under six foot uh, do well as quarterbacks. Uh, Russell Wilson, Doug Flutie, and probably Drew Brees are the only three I can name offhand. Um, and because he is a little small in stature, yeah, he can play football, but so did Johnny Manziel. Uh, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he lands in this whole uh, scheme of things as far as it comes to uh, his future in the draft. Uh, speaking yeah, of that, Speaking of that, let's move ahead now. Let's move on to our senior spotlight of the week. And this week, uh, we're gonna we're gonna spotlight Daquan Richardson, safety from Bethune Cookman University. Five the five eleven, 167 pound safety is the best defensive player on the field for the Cooks and Wildcats. Uh, and quite possibly the MEAC, although undersized, uh, he's like a monster out there. He leads the Wildcats in total tackles with 84, uh, which actually puts him seventh in the MEAC. Two and a half tackles for loss. He leads the team with five interceptions. He's also added seven pass breakups and one forced fumble. Uh, his athletic ability and production have propelled him, uh, and especially his name in the scouting world, and has almost assured a spot on the first team all MEAC squad. Uh, right now, I have him as an undrafted free agent, uh, just based on the size. If this kid was six foot, you know, one ninety-five, this guy's a sure, sure power draft pick. Uh, but he can move up. I mean, you know, everything will, can happen with a good All-Star game. You know, we always talk about having a good pro day, um, but he's going to need to find a way to put on some weight. Uh, but he can cover. Uh, he's a very good tackler. Hustles on every play, and he basically quarterbacks the secondary, which shows his intelligence and football smarts. Uh, I'm rooting for Daquan. Uh, nice kid. And uh, the first time I saw him this year was at Miami. And, uh, I mean, killed it. He had 13 tackles all over the field. I don't even remember hearing anybody else's name, to be honest with you. So, this week's senior spotlight, uh, Daquan Richardson, safety from Bethune-Cookman College. Once yeah, again, I'm, I'm, always, I'm always rooting for uh, for uh, the guys from Daytona Beach. We, we've had a few guys from Bethune-Cookman uh, make it into the pros. Uh, what, what's the, who's the guy that you always uh, you, you know pretty well that played at Cookman that still plays in the pros? That's Eric. Eric Weems is there right now. Uh, but yeah, other notable names: uh, Nick Collins, uh, who was a safety from uh, went to Green Bay. Also, Rasheen Mathis, uh, cornerback, was also a Bethune Cookman Wildcat. And uh, Eric Weems, I believe, is in his 11th year, and he uh, he's an undersized guy as well. But he found a niche in returning kicks and watch. Uh, became a pro bowler uh, as a kick returner. So just because you're small doesn't mean you can't do it. Uh, but, you know, he's got his work cut out for him, and we're wishing him all the best. Uh, Daquan Richardson, uh, Bethune-Cookman University. Well, that's it, Doc. Another episode coming gone. Got to get our victory formation going. Just want to say thank you to the sponsor this week, Proposa Perry & Young, Certified Public Accountant. Uh, thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Also, Andy Staples senior sports writer, uh, college football writer from uh, Sports Illustrated. We want to thank you for being on the show. Uh, Doc, any final words before we head out? No, it's a rivalry week, so a bunch of big games, Florida, Florida State, Iron Bowl, the war on I-4. Um, you know, this is a big week, and Miami stay undefeated to go into the ACC championship. Um, you know, for, for as much as uh, this week that just happened was a dud, this next week is going to be is going to be awesome. So we're looking forward to uh, 
looking forward to talking about it. Uh, we may have to change our date, so stay tuned. We may, we may change our date and time in the near future to uh, to you know try to get our outreach uh, with our with our fan base. But uh, looking yeah, forward we'll, to we'll, next week. We'll we'll update everybody for sure on that uh, through our social media. Doc, do me a favor. Say, say rivalry week five times real fast. Go. Yeah, that, that was ugly. Rivalry Except week. Bottom. You can't do it. Nobody bottom. can do it. That All right, guys. Awesome. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. From Sammy G and the Doc, thanks a lot. Have a Peace. good night. Peace.